This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is... Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I genuinely have not stopped dancing in about 20 20- something ridiculous. I'm just going to keep moving. You're going to have to get used to me moving throughout this entire podcast. I'm sorry. It's just going to keep happening because I'm just so happy. I'm just I'm just so incredibly happy. Hello and welcome. To- See, I won't kidding. I'm still going. <laughs> welcome to the Guna Talk. I hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing... I'm actually... Okay, I need to stop. Welcome to the Guna Talk. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. What a week. What a weekend we have had. Arsenal 3, Liverpool 2 in what was, I'm going to go forward and say, probably my favourite victory of the modern era of Arsenal. Um, I just, I've never been as emotional after a win as I was yesterday. Um, We did the Arsenal way match reaction show um, and... Yeah, it was, it was genuinely a point where I got a little choked in, in how I was speaking. And I'm glad I'm honest about that um, because I was speaking to Clive uh, yesterday. Uh, I'm sure he won't mind me uh, saying this and he can have a go at me if he does. Um, but we were talking yesterday about how we both, when talking on our relevant podcasts, got a little bit emotional uh, about yesterday, uh, about talking about what we'd seen about what we'd been talking about for a long time. Um, I'm still a little bit like it now um, because it just means so much. And we've just been waiting for so long for something like this, for evidence, for something tangible that I can grab as an as a result. You know, we can all talk about the tangible evidence of how we play, of the business that we've done, of the improvement in recruitment, of the atmosphere in the stadium, of the improvement of the mindset of the players that we have, of booting out players that aren't good enough or think themselves as big characters that we don't frankly need because we need to push on to bigger and better things. But despite all of that, it means... Nothing if you haven't got anything to latch onto as a genuine piece of result evidence. And despite the fact that the season is still young and there is lots of football still to be played, this Liverpool game gives Arsenal the perfect marker to turn around to any doubter, any person that's trying to say that Arsenal still aren't good enough or that it's just a purple patch or that we've not beaten anyone good yet to hold up this pedestal of a result and say... Suck on that, you loser. <laughs> so, you know, it's just what I've wanted and needed for this so much. Uh, and I am so over the moon, joyously happy and excited about what is going to happen for this team. We're going to talk about all of that and more in today's Raw Reaction Show. Don't worry, guys. I'm going to get to your thoughts and your questions and your points and your comments in part two, as we always like to do with these shows. Uh, I've broken things down at the game. I'm going to talk through a number of them and then go through a lot of your points and questions uh, in part two. First of all, if you aren't already subscribed, please make sure that you are. 
Um, I also realize I've played the wrong intro <laughs> and I've got the wrong background. You can tell that I'm going absolutely weird. Hold on. Let's sort this out. There we go. That's a lot better. That's a lot better. I also need to change the colors now. Um, but yeah, my goodness. How fucking... Oh, I nearly swore. <laughs> I think I did. How great was that? You can tell I'm really going weird this morning. Anyway, let's bring up our sponsor this morning. Um, and William Saliba continues to feature as Football Prizes signed and framed Arsenal shirts. There are, as of this moment, doing some quick maths, 18 tickets, uh, 28 tickets remaining. Uh, link to the competition will be down in the video description. Make sure you don't miss out on the opportunity to get your hands on what is, let's be real, an absolutely fantastic prize um moving onwards and moving forwards uh to why won't this change and move forwards to uh, our slides as we go through and break down the game it was our biggest win i believe in the brand new era um and to see the team so together and fulfilled in everything <laughs> i'm laughing at the chat box now um, and see everything just so put together brilliantly in what we've come to expect from this arsenal side was glorious um i feel sorry for my neighbors yesterday i really do because i was doing the minute by minute on football london going like trying to imagine for a second that you're not only enjoying the game and you're you know you're shouting you're screaming you're doing all the things that you usually do as a fan but i'm frivolously trying to type goal one nil martinelli <laughs> like and trying to get the minute by minutes through i tell you it was some kind of challenge that i've not faced before that yeah biggest win in the new era by far how far have Gabriel Martinelli and Bakaya Saka come? Uh, I love this photo because um, it's, I think, from the Unai Emery season um, of just when these two first started really playing together. I actually think this is when they were playing on the, the left-hand side when Saka was at left-back and Martinelli playing on the left wing. Um, yeah, look, uh, the, the way in which they've developed, grown, improved... You know, you have to give them both so much credit. You have to give Arteta and the coaching staff at Arsenal so much credit for giving them the opportunities to be able to improve. You know, we had a £72 million signing in Pepe. Uh, Uno Emery kicked this off by introducing Saka into the team. And then Arteta has run with it. Arteta has given the responsibility to Saka as our right winger. He's not kind of bowed to the pressure of having a record signing there. And he said, no, I believe in you. You are the guy. Take us forwards in that position. Martinelli under Arteta at the start of his kind of of his era coming back from that serious knee injury didn't give him the immediate opportunities that maybe a lot of us might have done at the start and actually what we've seen now is we've seen a player come in um and improve and get better and Arteta's given him more chances and just now we can see that those two who cost a combined 6 million quid uh are two of the best wide young forwards not just in the league but in the world um, the leadership and togetherness of this group with Granite Xhaka at its absolute core, who represents everything I think about this Arteta um, kind of team, that you are allowed, if you are willing, second chances. You are allowed to turn around and say, you know what, I was wrong to do this and I want to fight for my place. And for Arteta to turn around and try and convince you, if you aren't willing to do that, as some players aren't willing to you know, to maybe put their egos aside, put their stubbornness aside and to go hold their hands up. You know, no, I'm going to buy into this. And, you know, Xhaka's bought into this. How how much can we say about Granit Xhaka anymore? He's just an example. Uh, he's just an example. And that's what you want from a captain. And he is the unofficial captain. As far as I am understanding, despite Odegaard wearing the armband, Xhaka is for all intents and purposes the unofficial captain of Arsenal Football Club. And I think this is the perfect way for him to do it, to be honest. The perfect way for him to do it. Mikel Arteta's vision, I just feel, has been fulfilled at this point. Everything that he's wanted from this Arsenal team, he's been able to get from this Arsenal team. Um, and not only that, but we've seen, we've seen Mikel Arteta in a situation, as you can see on the picture on the left-hand side, where I wanted him gone. I was like, after Villarreal, I was done. As you all know, because I've talked about this story over and over and over again. You're probably bored of it by now. But after Villarreal, I was like, how can any how can any coach continue? How can any club at the stature of Arsenal decide to keep on a coach? How wrong could I be? How wrong could I be? And how how, you know, magnanimous are the club to turn around and say, nope, we're gonna back this guy. And this isn't like they're, you know, um, this isn't like this is a club that doesn't sack coaches, got rid of Wenger at the end. 
got rid of Unai Emery after just over a season. So it's nothing to do with characteristics of a club that, you know, are aren't, aren't attuned to sacking coaches. They've done that. They did that prior to Arteta coming in. And, you know, we sat in 11th place when we got rid of Emery and we just finished back-to-back eighth twice. And they were like, no, we believe in this guy. We believe in what he's doing. We believe in this process that the, we're going through. And it's no surprise that players like Ben White in interviews even yesterday use words like process. You know, we all talk about it as a little bit of a joke, as a little bit of a, a funny quip, um, a little bit of a kind of an embarrassing thing previously as well that was kind of a bit of a stigma labelled alongside Arteta and Arsenal. Actually, it, it is just what it is. This It is a process. It is a project. It is certainly something that Arsenal have been building. And when you go from the picture on the left, which is Arteta looking at a side full of players that weren't his, a side that ultimately he couldn't see taking the club to where he's wanted it to take. And therefore, it's taken so much time to overhaul things, to get rid of players, to move players he felt weren't good enough on, to give second chances to players like Xhaka, to prove to people that, yes, he is invested in players like William Saliba, despite all the talk and all of the bashing that he's willing to integrate those players. And I think you get to a picture on the right of the screen, which is just the culmination of his vision fulfilling itself. And we are in a position where he feels he can take this team, pick it up and throw it at whatever challenge comes forward. Now, I did have a slide about Tommy Asu. It's disappeared for some reason. Um, but Tommy Asu was another, obviously, big selection choice yesterday in which Mikel Arteta decided to go with. Now, I tweeted before the game uh, at Clive from the Arsenal Vision podcast because this is something that Clive has said about. It's something that we've talked about on this channel is that you kind of, if you think about the team and you split it in half and you have your five best defenders and your five best attackers, our five best defenders are, first, I'd say Saliba. I think he's the best defender thing is his composure his tackling his timing all of that his recovery speed is just up there with with the best it's then Tommy Asu followed by White followed by Gabriel followed by Partey and they are our five best defenders in the team their defensive attributes are the best in this side and that's why Arteta decided to go with the five best defenders against four world-class attacking players in Nunez, Salah, Diaz and Jota And he's gone with those five players to stifle them, to remain composed, to try and negate the opportunities for a pass in behind that was definitely exposed during the games against United and Spurs. If we'd have played like we played against Spurs and we'd have played as open as we did at the back like we did against Spurs, I don't think we come away with a win in this game. Because the the spaces that were open, the opportunities that Spurs created for themselves that they ultimately missed in some small chances because they're Spurs, they're not very good. Um would have been absolutely used by um, by Liverpool and we would have lost the game if we'd have played in that way. So I saw a few complaints about how we played in the first half. It was always going to be a little bit uh, disjointed, a little bit um, lacking in fluidity a bit from the back because that, not, that back four hadn't played together once. We'd never seen that back four used together. Now, Tommy Asu has played left back. He's played against Kulisevsky against Spurs. He's played against Rafinha against Leeds in the games he's played at left-back when he's been started there. This isn't a new thing for Arteta to just throw and try. He's used Tomiyasu against inverted wingers on the right-hand side, our left-hand side, to great effect. And it worked excellently. Salah was nothing. Salah was nowhere in this game. Didn't do anything. Not one thing. So I'm very, very happy with the way things went. It's a stroke of genius by the manager, in my view. And, and yeah, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Anyway, let's uh, let's go on to the uh, some of the decisions. And this is where I'm going to get some of your comments in the chat box as well. Penalty. Jota on Gabriel. Um, I, in the moment, was concerned. Um, I was, in that moment, I saw it back on the replay. I was like oh, I don't know what's going to happen. I was concerned, not because of how I felt about the decision. I was concerned because I've seen them given. I've I've seen these given so many times. The fact that it wasn't given by the referee in the first instance, I think is where ultimately you're not going to see VAR overturn it. Now, the rule, according to PGMOL, is massively impacted by one key word, which is proximity. 
And because the proximity of the ball being kicked to hitting Gabriel's arm, as it does, was so close, it wasn't a penalty. And by the rules, it isn't a penalty. Now, is my interpretation of what I feel the rules should be, if this happened against Arsenal, I would be, you know, I would be calling for it to be a penalty. But by the letter of the law, it isn't. By the letter of the law, it's not. I would also argue that anyone kind of moving in one direction, and when you move in one direction, especially sideways, and your body weight is leaning towards that side that you're moving, and then you go to switch to the other way, because obviously a cross is about to come in, so you're trying to then shift your weight to stop to be able to block it, naturally your left arm does raise, or the right, the, the arm in the opposite direction is the way that you're trying to change direction. It does raise, naturally. So there is an argument that his arm is still in a natural position. So... I can see why it wasn't given. I can see why there's frustration from a Liverpool side of things that it wasn't given. But by the letter of the law, for me, it wasn't a penalty because of the proximity of the cross to Gabriel and the ball hitting his arm. Reese says, too close. V-dubs is uh, proximity and timing. Um, Stuart McFarlane says, I was genuinely shocked it wasn't given. Uh, Gunnar Gang says, the only reason VR didn't give, uh, give it was the closest to his hand and the ball. Uh, Byron says, no penalty, no intent, and he went for the ball. If Liverpool fans say that's a pen, then a foul on Jesus is definitely a pen. Uh, TJR says, if that was at Anfield, it would probably have been given a penalty. That I can't comment on, don't know. We'd have to wait and see if something similar happens at Anfield. Uh, Harvey says, if that's a penalty, then everyone will start aiming for people's arms. It's a solid point, and that's why we have the proximity rule. It's because we want to stop this being given. You remember the Pepe situation, you know, against Burnley. Uh, there's an argument the reason why that wasn't given was because of proximity. I still think that in that specific instance, it was pretty darn harsh. Um, but yeah, uh, I can see why it wasn't given. Okay, so penalty. Jesus, Thiago, is this a penalty? Um, for me, yes, it is. I mean, Jesus, because as you can see, uh, and has been, has been enlarged in the analysis, Jesus gets his foot to the ball, Thiago kicks around the back of Jesus's foot. It's a foul anywhere else on the field. And so therefore, it's a foul in the box as well. That has to be the way in which things are judged. A foul anywhere else on the field is a foul also in the box. He kicks through the back of his leg. Jesus gets to the ball first. It's just, it's not what I would say is mistimed. It's just late. Like he just He's just late to the ball in comparison to Jesus. And therefore, it's a penalty. Uh, Terry says it's soft, but it's a pen. Uh, RD says Jesus is a pen for sure. It's Angeles says pen it's soft, but it's a penalty. Jesus got the ball and was kicked in the back of the foot. Marcus says, yes, penalty. He kicked him accidentally or otherwise it would be a free kick outside of the box. Uh, Ahmed says, though, it's not soft at all. He was just kicked. <laughs> Cam says, very soft penalty. We were lucky. Uh, RD says it's a soft pen, but it's still a penalty. Uh, let's go to Sim, who says Arsenal have suffered more injustice than any other club in the league. Let us move on from this. Uh, Solidine says it's definitely a penalty. The ref saw it in real time. Um, TJR says there was clear contact. He goes down. It equals a penalty. Uh, and I don't have any issues about this. You know, I think both the decisions the referee got right because of proximity, cancelling out the penalty in the first case. And in this one, it's a late challenge that Jesus gets the ball first and Thiago kicks through the back of his leg. It might be soft. It might be a light touch, but Jesus feels it. It sends him down. You have to give it as a penalty. It's as simple as that. Um, now, the final thing to discuss is that the FA have confirmed to uh, the media that they are investigating an on-field incident that took place. Now, the incident, we don't for... What's the right word to use? We don't categorically know, because it's not been said, what the incident is. Now, there were alleged accusations that Jordan Henderson has apparently said something um, of racial terminology toward Gabriel. Um, that's the alleged allegations going around on social media. Um, and I've seen a number of accounts suggest that to be the case. I've seen people throw up the videos. Uh, obviously, straight after this incident that you can see on the screen, that is where Michael Oliver went over to Mikel Arteta and Jurgen Klopp to discuss what had happened. Mikel Arteta said in his post-match press conference, it happened on the field, so it stays on the field. I don't think he means that in the sense that, you know, whatever said on the pitch stays on the pitch sort of thing. I think it's more so that I'm not going to discuss something that's happened on the field publicly. You know, it needs to be investigated. That's, that's what he means when he says that. So... 
we'll have to wait and see what happens. My interpretation was it is that you can just see the you can see the look of of real pain on Gabriel's face when you watch it in real time and you watch some of the videos back. You can see the reaction of Granite Xhaka when Gabriel tells him what's been said. You can look at the the face of Roberto Firmino of just disappointment. You can see a video after the game of Allison and Roberto Firmino talking with Jesus and Gabriel after the game. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say he's definitely done this, he's definitely done that. I will wait until an investigation has been done before I make it. I'm not, I wasn't there. I didn't hear it. I'm not going to sit here and say X player said this to, to X player without having the evidence. Cause I didn't hear it. I can't, I don't know lip reading. I can't go off people posting on social media. I can't do that. If someone is found guilty of this type of thing, they should be receiving of a lengthy ban. We absolutely know that, but we need to make sure that we have full evidence. We need to make sure that we've got an investigation going on. Um, and so that's that's as simple as that. I'm not going to jump on some bandwagon and try and um, claim someone said something that if they haven't, but if they have said it, they should face the appropriate consequences. So for me, it's as simple as that. I think that's the best way that you handle it. Let's see what the investigation finds. Hopefully uh, it comes to the rights um, and the true decision because that will reflect what happened on the pitch. So... There we go. Um, let's see what happens. Uh, anyway, that brings us to an end of part one, which means we're going to go to your questions and part two of today's show. Uh, so after this short break, we'll be back and taking those points and questions. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, uh, let's jump into the chat box. Uh, and I really appreciate, obviously, all the support that's come through on the channel. Uh, as always, the likes, the subscriptions, the support that we got during the voting period. You'll be glad to know that you won't have to listen back to that um, that episode of me basically saying, you know, um, please vote for us <laughs> because the voting is now closed for the Football Content Awards. Thank you so much for everybody that has voted. The winners uh, of the competition, first, third, uh, first, second and third, will be revealed on the 16th of November in Manchester. I'm hoping to go, fingers crossed. Um, some other fantastic channels have been nominated. I look forward to hopefully seeing the likes of FK and Lee Judges there as well as, well as the boys of the Arsenal Vision podcast. If you haven't voted... Uh, that's fine. It's too late if you wanted to. It's not like I couldn't have reminded you anymore. But thank you to everybody that has helped support the channel, that has voted for us as best club content creator. The fact that we've even been nominated across all you know content creators in a Premier League fashion, there's hundreds, there's loads that are way bigger than this channel. So the fact that we've been nominated is so humbling. So a massive, massive thank you to everybody that's helped support the channel. Um, let's go into the chat box. Reese Prince says... Uh, Tom, where do you see Tommy Yasu playing in the long run? It's a good question. And it's actually something that kind of came up during uh, the post-match discussion around this game. Tommy Yasu, I don't think, will play this position in the long term. I think Tierney will probably come in against Leeds. I'd be surprised if Tommy Yasu played this game. I think this was purely a tactical, strategic decision by Mikel Arteta to try and deal with what Mohamed Salah brings. Now, if Arsenal go up against... You know, if, say, Rafinha was still at Leeds, I think we probably would have gone with the same team and Tommy and Tommy Asu would have been used to deal with uh, Rafinha. Now, I don't think this is something that we can necessarily do against all sides because we do lack something in that left-hand side in terms of an offensive build-up nature by Tommy Asu being there. 
I would like to see Tierney come in for the game against Leeds, or if Zinchenko is indeed fit, I'd like to see Zinchenko come in for that game because it helps with our build-up, it helps with our possession, our dominance, the way in which we play. Zinchenko, Tierney to a lesser extent, are absolutely key into that part. So Tomiyasu, I think, will be used here and there. I think he'll start big games in the sense that we need someone to go up against an inverted right winger. Um, so say uh, Riyad Mahrez is going to play for Manchester City. You know, you would start him there. If, I don't know, I'm trying to think of another inverted winger that plays at a high level in the Premier League. There aren't. Anthony, I guess, if we go up against Man United again, Tommy Asu comes back into that side. It does make you question, potentially, we could have thought to do that. Well, goodness me, we've got people even after a win being abusive in the chat box. Um, this fan base surprises me every single time. Um, Lynn says, question, and Tom, do you think we have a second penalty? Uh, and Jesus had a second pen uh, when we were sandwiched between Alisson and Van Dijk. I don't think that was a penalty, Lynn. Not for me. I don't think that was a penalty. Uh, Jason says, are you worried about Gabriel's back-to-back howlers and his decision-making? Um, Gabriel is a player that will have these moments. He has these moments in him. You know, the little touch back, he tries to get his foot onto it. It's not a glaring mistake. You know, it's not a conscious error. It's not an unforced error um, in any way. He's tried to get to his foot to it. He's got a stretch as far as he can and it's touched him. You know, you also have to remember that Gabriel is playing on the side with the least protection throughout this whole season. You know, Saliba, with however brilliant Saliba has been and he's been brilliant and our best defender, Saliba has been white to his right-hand side. Gabriel has often had Zinchenko, he's often had Tierney. He's had to cover a bigger space. He didn't have to win this game as much as he usually does, but he did come up against both Nunez and Salah. And even Diaz was switching to the right-hand side and doubling up on Gabriel and Tomiyasu because they knew that was our weaker side defensively because you've got White and Saliba on the right-hand side and they were getting no joy down that side. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a worry for me. Gabriel isn't a worry for me. I think you're gonna I think you're gonna struggle to find someone to replace him. I've named him as the most replaceable because I think of the four. If you ask me if I would look to upgrade on Zinchenko, Gabriel, Saliba, White, Gabriel is the one that stands out for me. But that doesn't mean it's an easy task to upgrade on him by any means. And trying to find someone that's gonna be better than him is a really, really, really tough task. And I would challenge people to start throwing names at me if they think they can find someone that's accessible that we should go for to upgrade upon him. But unless you're going to the world-class level of centre-back, you're going to struggle. And to get those players is absolutely another task all in itself. Uh, let's go to uh, Alana, who says, uh, what do you think about the Jesus concussion moment? Looked pretty bad to me. We're surprised to see him stay on the pitch. I would hope, Alana, that they go through all of the relevant tests and that he is, you know, assessed by the doctors. There is always that feeling in me that feels as though there should be a third-party doctor at every single game, that when there is a, a head injury, that they enter the field of play and they assess players. Because, of course, you're going to be in a situation whereby a team's doctors are not going to want to take off their own team's best player uh, even if it's for us, you know, and I'm trying to stay as unbiased as I can in this discussion because I don't want Jesus to have to go off the field. But if he has suffered a concussion, he should go off to protect him, to protect the game in itself, because playing someone of that who's in that kind of headspace or lack of headspace, if you will, you know, we need to make sure that they are protected and we can't be setting a precedent that it's OK to continue. So, Alana, I hope and I'm very hopeful and optimistic that they did do the correct assessments and that Jesus came through fine. Arteta said after the game that he was fine after the game. So hopefully that is indeed the case. Uh, by the way, in that moment, I thought Simicast was a bit... It's hard to know whether or not it was deliberate, but it did feel quite pointed. Um, and it's not a pun on the pointiness of his elbow, but there was part of me that felt that was a bit intentional. Uh, I might be wrong. But I thought there was a bit of intent in in that uh, that elbow into Jesus's face. Uh, Stuart says, "Do you think Alba was having a tactical snide dig, especially with it being just before the game, or do you think it was from a while ago?" I have a feeling that the video was recorded some time ago. I I would be surprised if it was actually recorded even potentially this season. I think it might have been recorded during his Barcelona days, and it's only just come out now. So I don't know for sure. I don't know a hundred percent when it was. I can't comment on that for sure. It's just an estimation, but I think it has been. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I think 
that Aubameyang just at this point needs to move on. You know, if he was still sortier this time, it's difficult, of course, with the whole timing of it. We don't know when it was recorded, but let's just, for hypothetical sake, say it was in the last, I don't know, four months. Just move on, mate. Just deal with it. Like Petulance. It's just petulance. We're better off without him. I think we can all see that now. Yes, we could have done better in the January window to replace him. I don't doubt that. That's definitely not a, that's not a criticism that I would disagree with. Um... But Aubameyang just needs to move on. You know, I really hope when Chelsea visit here that I don't, I don't want to see a player booed. I don't really like booing. I'm not really a fan of booing, um, unless I suppose it's for someone that's done something horrific. Um, but, you know, I'm not a fan of it, especially when it's like in this kind of context as a player that left Arsenal and joined Chelsea. I'm not going to boo him. If you want to boo him, that's your choice. You can go and do that if you want to. I'm just not a fan of it. I'll be interested to see what kind of um, reception he does get when he returns. And if even Graham Potter decides to use him, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, let's go to Ronald, who says, I still, while we have outplayed other teams, think we need more goals from our current players of adding another versatile wide forward. I think that's fair. You know, I think Arsenal are looking to try and bring in a wide forward. We'll be linked with a number of players in that kind of position. We've been linked with Jesper Lindstrom, who can play as an attacking midfielder or as a wide player. We've been linked to Mikhailo Mudrik. You would think that we would not be being linked to these players if you didn't think we were going to be going after someone of that ilk. So I absolutely think that, yeah, we are. Um, just before I continue going through your questions, and we're going to be sticking around for a little bit longer as well as as, as long as my voice starts to hold out, which I hope that it does. Um, there's over a thousand of you watching, which for one of our morning shows since the transfer window is definitely a, a peak. So thank you so much. Do drop a like on the video. Uh, only 34%, or rather 34%, Four percent of you don't actually subscribe despite watching. Um, I've checked the numbers. That's what it tells me. So please, please do subscribe to the channel if you aren't done so already. Just have a quick check. It should be below the video to see if you're subscribed. It really does help us out because we're like less than 500 or just over 500 subs, I think, away from hitting 40,000. So please help support the channel. It'd be amazing to hit that by Christmas. Uh, Jez says, what positions do you think we should strengthen in January to maintain a sustained challenge for the league? I think obviously central midfield comes into it. If Thomas Partey is ever out for an extended period, we need to make sure we've got someone who can come in and play that position to a very good standard. And I just don't think that Lukonga is the right player to play the number six role. Yes, he gives us cover and depth, but that's not his best position. And I'd rather us go and sign, say, a Danilo, for instance, to come in and offer something that's a lot more comfortable. Yes, Danilo is still young and got a lot of development still to do, but he is certainly more comfortable and better, I think, at playing that role than what Lukonga is right now. There are also other options, I suppose, out there that we could potentially look at as well. The other position is obviously a wide forward to give us kind of that Diogo Jota style of player that can play across the front three. That's what I would like to see Arsenal try and find. Uh, D. Jan says, Tom, do you think Ben White should replace Gabriel? Gabriel looks like he like every second he is going to cost us a goal uh, and gets caught out of position that puts pressure on Saliba. Uh I don't know, not this moment in time. I would like to see White and Saliba given an opportunity to play together just to see what that would do. But the balance that Gabriel has with Saliba works. I like it. I think it's a good dynamic. I think, unfortunately, Gabriel is beginning to fall foul of a little bit of scapegoating. That's not just a directed kind of comment against what you're saying, Jan. I just feel that Gabriel is being a little bit overlooked in terms of what his job is. Saliba and White pairing with one another on the right-hand side gives Gabriel a much larger space to contend with defending because often our left-sided fullback is someone that pushes much further up the pitch, leaving a bigger area for Gabriel to cover. That's why I think he gets exposed more so. If Saliba was playing on that side and White was playing on the right centre-back slot, I'd be intrigued to see how that would affect Saliba's performance. He's also the only left-footed centre-back that we have, and tactically it's really important for the way that we play to have a left-footer. I know I've talked about this in the past, so apologies for me repeating this for those that have already heard it. The reason why we have right-footers on the right-hand side of a centre-back and left-footers on the left-hand side for a centre-back is that they're really important for the way that you break up the field. A right-footer passing to the right-hand side means you've got an out-swinging ball, which means the ball arrives ahead of the fullback or ahead of the attacking right-hand side player. 
a left foot on the left-hand side, so there's an out-swinging ball ahead of the left-back or the left-winger, and it gives them a ball to run onto rather than in-swinging ball, which when an in-swinging ball arrives at your feet, it comes with greater force towards you, and therefore it makes it much more difficult for you to get the right touch on those passes. That's why you play with a left foot on the left and the right foot on the right. It creates better abilities to counter with much more efficiency. Uh, it also means that players are a lot more comfortable when passing out on their sides. Tomiyasu is great. And what's good about having a right footer, I say a right footer, he is ambipedal, which means he can use both feet very well. But what's good about that is when you go up against an inverted uh, winger, like a Salah, like a Rafinha, like a Kulisevsky, that cuts in inside, you're on your stronger foot. And that can help a lot. Now, Ben White, thankfully, even though we've dealt with a lot of inverted left-wingers, there's a lot more inverted left-wingers than there are inverted right-wingers. Ben White and Saliba have been able to cope very well because they are defensively quite astute. So that's helped. That's why against Zaha in the first game of the season, White did so fantastically well. You know, it's a really important point, I think, to bring forward. So don't suddenly let Gabriel's performances cloud your view of what he does. I would encourage you to kind of watch his whole performance, especially if you've got the time to go back and watch a, a game, go back and watch Gabriel's entire <clears throat> display. Look at the things that he does uh, beyond some of the high profile kind of mistakes that have started potentially creeping into his game because his game is really important to the way that we play. Uh, let's go to um, Bastoni is a great shout. You know, if you can get someone like that to replace him, I think Bastoni would be a brilliant option for Arsenal. But are you going to get him out of Italy? It's a very, very difficult thing to be able to do. Uh, let's go to James. He says, morning, Tom. Does Trent's injury allow White to get into Gareth's World Cup squad? I mean, to be fair, in my opinion, before Trent and Walker's injuries, White should have been in that World Cup squad. Should have been in the last England squad. So, absolutely, if those two are out, he should be in. It's as simple as that. White is an absolute asset to this England team and should be playing. And I am not one of those people that, you know, would wish all of our players sat at home during the international break. I want them playing. I want their morale high. Yes, there's an increased risk of injury. I get that. It's frustrating. It's annoying. But trust me, especially for the Brazilians like Martinelli, who was making a great case to get into that Brazil squad, I want him going to Qatar. I want him going to the World Cup because that is such a big boost for his mentality to have got into that World Cup team. You know, I want him there. And he's not necessarily going to play loads, Martinelli. You know, you've got Vinicius Jr. there who's going to start all of the games on the left-hand side. Martinelli will come off the bench in some games as well. We don't, I don't think we necessarily need to worry about Martinelli playing too many games there because he's not going to start. So let him go, get him called up, boost his confidence and reap the benefits of that as well. Um, thank you so much uh, to Al for the, for the donation. Gabriel couldn't clear a ball coming down from high in the air, which cost us a goal. This should be basic stuff. Uh, I wonder if we can have a quick look at Y Scout for a second, just to kind of put some of these things to bed um, regarding... Uh, I don't know if FB Ref actually would be better for this. Starting to talk about clearances if we're starting to talk about kind of players. Um, let's do it live because if we do it live, it means one, sometimes I look a little bit stupid when I get things wrong, which I know you all enjoy massively. So uh, if we get our FB ref quickly, let's put into Gabrielle. Uh, that's not the right Gabrielle. Where's Gabrielle? Gabrielle. Gabrielle dos Santos. That's the one. Um, we then want Saliba. We want white. And then that's it. Uh, let's do those three. So get results. Oh, no, I've done it wrong. I need to do it for this season. Hold on one second. Let's do it for this season. So 22-23, uh, 22-23, 22-23. And then we want to go down to defending. And we want to look at clearances just for that. Let's have a look. Do we have clearances? Clearances. Uh, so clearances. <laughs> Uh, Gabriel, 32. Saliba, 24. Ben White, 14. Um, do you see what I mean? Like, it's, it's for me, it's a real scapegoat of the player that's happening. Um, he's just in these moments here. If we do toggle per 90, uh, Gabriel again, 4 per 90. Saliba, 3 per 90. Ben White, 1.94 per 90. Uh, if we do tackle percentage against dribblers, uh, ben White comes out so well. And you'd expect that because he's playing in a right-sided centre-back position. You know, he's got 
he's coming up against most of those dribblers. This is where Gabriel slightly falls down in this sense, you know, because Saliba, Ben White are a lot more mobile than what Gabriel is. They cover a smaller space than what Gabriel has to. They often have greater backup than what Gabriel has to. Uh, and it's unsurprising that it comes out in this way. But if we're going to talk about clearances, you know, that's not an area that I would certainly be looking to say, you know, that's what we need to impart in any kind of criticism towards him, to be honest. I think he does really, really well in that sense. Uh, I'm interested to look at passing, because uh, I imagine Gabriel doesn't come out the best regarding his teammates. That's based on nothing I've already looked at. Um, progressive passes. He actually comes out better than William Saliba, which really surprises me um, in terms of progressive passes. If we go per 90... Uh, 3.63 progressive passes for Gabriel Panayti compared to 6.11 of Ben White. Again, playing right back, you'd expect that to be considerably higher. Uh, pass completion, uh, Saliba comes out fantastically, 93.2. But Gabriel's up there, you know, 90.9% pass completion. I do really think that there is this stigma behind Gabriel appearing for no reason. Um, and that's a real shame. A real shame. Is there one for 50-50 balls, says TJR? Uh, there is, but I think I can only find that on Y Scout, um, which means I can't do annoyingly a comparison chart. To be honest, it's going to take me a long time to get those statistics up. But I will get Gabrielle's statistics for this uh, as a sole 50-50 challenge. Uh, I think what they're called are, let me go to defensive statistics. I know this is really riveting stuff for you to listen to. Uh, loose ball jewels this season. That's what I want. Uh, he has won 67.3% of his loose ball jewels this season, which is good. You know, 67.3%. 66, uh, winning a 50-50. If you're over 50% of winning your 50-50s, that's great. So, and he's considerably over at 67.3%, which is a really strong return. Uh, wow, we've still got the same amount of people that were listening before I started that statistical run. So clearly that's a good thing. Uh, Lindell says, Tom, do you think Arteta should call Trusty back on loan in January to challenge Gabriel and perhaps give him a rest in the cup games? No, I don't, because he's not going to play. Uh, he's not going to play in the games. Gabriel's going to play in the cup games, going to play in the league games. If we need to play Tommy Asso at left centre-back, we can do that. It's not a problem. Uh, Trusty is playing every week, every game for Birmingham. He's doing brilliantly well. I'm enjoying what I'm seeing. I've done an interview with one of the Birmingham writers at uh, Birmingham Live, and it was a really good insight into what he's been doing. You can read that over at Football London. Um, I don't want to see him come back in January. I don't want to see Patino come back. I want to see him keep on playing. They're playing every week. Give them a season out on loan. Give Balogun his full season, you know. I don't want to recall anyone. Uh, the only time I want to recall someone from somebody from loan is if, A, we have a serious injury problem, or B, they're not playing. That's the only two justifications for bringing a player back from their loan is if you've got a serious injury issue, which I think we did when we recalled Coquelin from his loan at Charlton. And the other reason is if um, they're not getting enough games. And that's only because we're going to send them out to somewhere else on loan. We did that last season with Tyrese John-Jules. We did it with Miguel Aziz, although we didn't load him back out. We just put him into the other 20, uh, 23s at the time. So, yeah. No, I wouldn't recall him. Keep him playing, keep him doing what he's doing. That's the most important thing we need for our players. Uh, Priyank says, hi, Tom. Just in a report, Patino's contract is expiring in the coming months. Is this true? Uh, I don't know 100%. Uh, I will try and chase that one up uh, for you and get some information on that as soon as possible. But I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Dad says, Tom, is Karma catching up with Liverpool for so many fouls they got away and Liverpool really missed uh, that Sane elbow? The Sane, Sane? You mean Mane? Mane Elmo. Elmo? <laughs> the, Sa the, the Mane elbow. There we go. Why is that so difficult to say? The Mane elbow on Tierney that we've seen Anfield, you know, was one of the most frustrating things that kept on creeping into his game. It's one of the reasons why it agitated Arteta so much. They've really missed Sadio Mane this season, massively so. Um, and, you know, not having him in the game was, was I think, key for Arsenal because he's a right pain in the face. Never mind the arse, he's a right pain in the face because uh, he just elbows you. Uh, Dan says, not trying to be negative, but it's an interesting thought. If Gabriel coming, is, is Gabriel becoming the next Xhaka? Good performance, but has an error in him. 
Um, we killed Xhaka, maybe wrongfully. Again, I feel like I've covered this Gabriel thing now. I think the statistics speak for themselves. Uh, yes, he has a mistake in him. Yes, he's under a lot more pressure than the other defenders because he has to cover a bigger area. And often teams try and target that area of Arsenal's defence because they know they've got White and Saliba on the right-hand side. I don't think it's something I'm worried about. I, I don't think it's something I'm worried about at all. Uh, Bro Pro says, would you say Bayern Danilo is a risk? There is a risk associated with every transfer. Um, so yes, of course, there's a risk. But it's about how much you measure that risk up against some of the other potential players that you could sign. I think a 21-year-old coming in from Brazil, we've seen the success we've had with Martinelli. We've seen the potential success of Marquinhos. I don't think there's too much of a risk, to be honest, of strengthening. I think that he offers a lot. I think that he's a great talent and I look forward to seeing if he does join Arsenal, what he could do in the second half of this season. Uh, Belage says, are people being hypercritical? We won a game, enjoy, embrace the moment rather than nitpicking. I am going to look forward to the Arsenal lounge this evening. It took eight minutes last time before a negative was brought up after the North London derby win. I swear, if either Shaheen or Lev brings up a negative within the first 20 minutes of this game, I will be fuming. <laughs> fuming. How can you talk about any negatives of that Arsenal performance without talking about everything that was great first? I really don't get it. It wasn't perfect. Don't get me wrong. You know, there were things that we need to improve on. There always are things that you need to improve on. But, uh, but <laughs> I just get so sick and tired of talking about things critically sometimes. Why can't we just enjoy an amazing victory that we deserved and we we dominated them and we really, really, really did earn that three points. We really, really did. Um, Christian says, Tom, our starting 11 is quality, but our bench, JC, it's a massive drop-off. Are we able to sustain it? I would always suggest that under the Manchester City, everyone's teams are like that in terms of there being a drop-off from the starting 11 to the bench. What I would say is that the injuries to Smith-Rowe and Elneny hurt us a lot. They really do hurt us because despite the, the, the I think, sometimes lazy criticisms of Elneny, because if we're real, Elneny's come in so many times and done a really solid job for us, a really solid job. No, he's not Thomas Partey. He's never going to be Thomas Partey. But when he's come in to cover for Thomas Partey, especially at the end of last season, he was really good. And if it wasn't for the fact that we lost both of our starting fullbacks as well as Partey at the end of last season, I think Elneny coming in for Partey would have been fine. I still think we would have got top four, even with Elneny in for Partey during that second half, that last nine, ten games of the season. If we'd have had our starting fullbacks like Tomiyasu and Tierney for every game, we didn't. We suffered. And that's a shame. But to be honest, when you look at our bench, You've got, I mean, if you look at the Arsenal Crystal Palace game, start of this season, uh, Arsenal Crystal Palace, uh, nil to Arsenal. So our starting 11 against Crystal Palace on the opening day of the season was Ramsdale, White, Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko, Thomas Partey, Odegaard, Jacka, Martinelli, Jesus, Saka. What I think is probably our best team. Are we all agreed? You know, I know we like Tommy Aston, I know we like Tierney, but I like Zinchenko a lot. White, Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko, Thomas, Odegaard, Xhaka, Saka, Jesus, Martinelli, and of course, Ramsdale and Goal. I think that's our best 11, personally. You know, I think that's the best team that we can play on a day. Maybe tactically, we can go for someone else at left back. But besides that, that's it. Our bench that day, Tini, Nketia, Holding, Cedric, Pepe, Lokonga, Nelson, Elneny, Turner. Now, swap out Pepe for Marquinhos. You know, I think that is obviously a, a, a step. You'd say a step down because Pepe is a lot more accomplished and senior than Marquinhos, and he's a, um, and you know, he's still a player that's got to come through. But I think that's a, a very good bench. You know, Kieran Tierney and Tommy Asus, by the way, isn't on that bench either at that point. He hadn't returned from fitness yet, so you'd have Tierney, Tommy Asu, Holding. Holding for me is probably the best fourth choice centre back in the league besides uh, Ake. Or Stones, you know, besides Man City and Liverpool, and I guess now Chelsea, you're probably looking at Rob Holding being the best fourth-choice centre-back across the league. Um, he's a very competent defender. You know, he's a good defender. He's not a great modern defender, but he's a good defender. Defends well, defends the box well. If you want someone to come, on the come off the bench and defend your box for, for half an hour, 40 minutes even 60 minutes. He does that. He did that at Anfield without too much of a problem. 
You know, I think he's probably the best fourth choice there is. I wouldn't start him. He's not starting quality for an Arsenal team right now, but Holding's a good option to be fourth choice for us. Kieran Tierney, what a good backup left back that is. Tommy Assey, what a good backup right back that is. Eddie Nketi gets a hell of a lot of stick, but if you look at the amount of goals he's scored in how many of his last starts, I think it's something like nine in 12, nine goals in his last 12 starts. That's excellent. Um, I think Marquinhos has shown to be very good. You know, I think he showed he was very good in the, in the Zurich game. Yes, he didn't have the best of games against Buda Glimt, but I think there's an exciting player there. Lukonga and El Nenny as options, I think, are solid for backup, but we need, I think, with El Nenny out, I think we've shown that we need someone to come in. Reese Nelson is Reese Nelson. I think that, you know, he came off the bench yeah, on Thursday and was sprightly. He surprised me, actually. He was better than I thought he was. And Matt Turner, don't know enough about him yet, but I think gets a lot of undue criticism, despite he's only been at the Arsenal very short amount of time. I actually think our our, our bench isn't that isn't that bad. <laughs> you know, if, if we have... And Smith Rowe's not there either. It should be pointed out, too. If Smith Rowe was, was fit as well, we've got Fabio Vieira, of course, as well, too. We haven't even talked about him. Um, I actually think we've got quite a decent bench. If you can have nine players, right? So if your bench is Turner, Tomiyasu, Tierney, Holding, Lukonga, Elneny, Smith Rowe, Fabio Vieira, Enketia, and Marquinhos, I think that's a pretty good bench. You know, I think that's a pretty darn good bench. If everybody's fit, I think that's quite good. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> I think it's a pretty good bench, actually. Um, let's go to Salm, or Saim, sorry, who says, uh, Tommy Asu's performance yesterday was better than any game White played this season. And Tommy at his best is better than Ben White. I think it's time Tommy starts. Mm, that seems very critical of White, who, to be honest, has been, other than Saliba, our best defender, White's been brilliant. I don't really get this. There's always something about Ben White that some just don't quite like. I don't get it. I really can't get my head around it. I wouldn't drop White in a second. I wouldn't drop him for Tommy Asu right now. And by the way, he was brilliant yesterday. You know, Ben White was really good. And actually, his attacking kind of game is really improving as well. Really, really improving. The crosses, the movement. There was a point where Saka, I think it was Saka, Odegaard, sorry, set him through and we won a corner from it. His attacking movement is getting really good. Uh, I mean, Guna Gang says Ben White's marauding forward yesterday was a revelation. Don't you agree? Yeah, like I think his, I think his attacking is getting really solid. And actually, it's going much further for us to, to improve our right-hand side. So no, Saeem, I don't agree with you. I don't think Tommy Asu comes in for him. I don't think Tommy Asu's performance yesterday was better than all of White's performances at all. I think that's, with respect, quite a short-sighted view of White's season so far. Why he's not particularly liked, I don't know. I don't know. Is it because, I said this before, is it because he's pretty? Is it because he costs 50 million quid? Is it because he doesn't like football outside of playing it? I don't know. I think he's been great. I think he's great. I think he's been worth every penny of the 50 million we paid for. I really think he's made due on his investment. I think that we've paid for a player that is worth that amount of money now. Um, and I'm happy that we paid that amount of money for him because I think you're going to struggle to find someone as versatile, as young, English, homegrown. You know, I think all of that, you're going to struggle to find for that amount of money. I really think you're going to struggle. Uh, feel free to name me another player of those characteristics um, for a price tag that would be similar, that could be better than white. Feel free. Find someone for me. But I really think, really, really do think that he's been solid, absolutely solid for us. Uh, good gangsters. People are jealous that he's good. He's a good-looking lad with a rocket of a missus who can bowl. <laughs> Deary me. Well, you know, I guess that's something me and Mr. White share in common. Uh, <laughs> um, let's go to, let's scroll up a little bit more. Marcus says, doesn't it prove the point about our squad that we are debating who should start and not due to poor performances? It's great. You know, I love that. I love the fact that we're sitting here and all we can do is talk about how great our team is and how to talk about who should start and who should be dropped and who comes in for the next game. And, you know, who are we going to sign that's going to be able to get into this team? That's so good. It's a position where I've wanted to be in. We have been so horrifically, what's the right word? Um, we've been let down with poor recruitment. We've been given teams that have Mustafi and Socrates 
and Nicola Pepe. <laughs> That's harsh. Um, but I, I'm not a big fan of his, as you know. I don't think he's ever been good enough. I don't think he's worth that price tag. Um, you know, and I think that when it, when we look at the team we've got now and the, the recruitment, and I really banged the drum of Edu for so long about the recruitment that we were doing. And I was really kind of getting my, trying to, I was really getting frustrated around the idea that I couldn't get what people couldn't see about the recruitment. I've been very critical of Arteta in the past, and I really couldn't see a way back for him after Villarreal. But on recruitment, I've always said that Arteta and Edu have been so spot on in terms of what they've been trying to build. That was never in any of my doubts about what we were doing in the transfer market. It was always to do with the coaching and the decision-making on the pitch that had me questioning Arteta at the end of the 2021 season. But outside of that, what happens off field, I think, has been so good. So, 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 so good. The, the, the booting out of players that, you know, who were big characters. By the way, big. what does big character mean? Because to me, it just seems to be an excuse to be disruptive. That's all that big character means to me. If And, and imagine being, imagine having the, the, the bottle to call yourself a big character. <laughs> <laughs> that's just another way of saying I'm a bit of an idiot. <laughs> that's, that's what that means. That's what it must mean, surely. I'm disruptive. I'm not great to manage. I'm a right pain in the backside. That's what big character must mean because that's what Aubameyang ultimately proved to be, a right pain in the backside to have to deal with. You know, genuinely, I can't get my head around what the the, the benefit of having a big character is. I want a team that's unified. I want a team that's together. I want a team that's fighting for the same cause. I want a team that's behind the coach, behind the coach's ideas. I don't want a team that's constantly questioning. I don't want a team that's constantly with people turning up late or laughing or taking the mick. And, you know, there were times when he was taking the mick. You know, you look at the Amazon documentary. We did the whole, the whole rubbing hands together as an exercise before the game. And Aubameyang tries to undermine that with a whole jokey. You might say I'm being too harsh. You might say I'm a little bit soft with that. But I'm... I'm done with that. I'm done with having, you know, the, the the class clown in the team. I'm done with it. You know, I really am done with it. I, I want a team that's that's motivated, that's focused, that's that's completely galvanized towards the 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 unified goal of getting as high up the table as possible, qualifying for the Champions League, fighting for titles. That's what I want. That's what I want. <laughs> and to me, if you're a big character, you're a big character because you score goals on a regular basis and you play fantastically and you earn your money. And I don't think any of those things happen to Bamiyang's final 18 months at all. So, you know, deary me. <laughs> uh, Chima says, what heights can this young team get to in two or three years? Can we be as good as the Man Cities with the right, and the right additions considering how young this team is? Yes, we can, because we can absolutely continue to add and strengthen and, and replace. You know, if we move out your El Nenis, your Nelsons, um, your Holdings, and with respect to these players, I just don't think they're of a level that are involved in a team that are of a Manchester City level. You know, I complete respect to what Rob Holding and what uh, El Neni have, have contributed to Arsenal. But if we're looking to try and be as good as Manchester City, you know, they aren't getting into that squad. So we need to upgrade on those two. I think we need to upgrade um, another attacking player, the Diogo Jota-style player that I've talked about. I think we need to improve uh, another left-sided centre-back. Uh, I think that needs to come in. I think we potentially need to improve... Um, where else? You know, the wide forward's really key because whilst Eddie and Ketia obviously is, I think, a very decent um option for us as, as a backup to Jesus. I'd like to see someone who's a wide forward like a Diogo Jota that can also play in the middle and take the pressure off Eddie and Ketty if we ever needed to. Uh, Nav says, you're forgetting about Cedric. Yeah, I guess so. He needs to be moved on. You know, we need to move on from someone like that. It's important that you have experience in the team. And I think that, you know, whilst El Nenny and Holding and Cedric leaving means you're losing a hell of a lot of experience and probably good mo um, presences in the dressing room. You know, the players are still getting older. You know, after this season, the, the team that was the youngest team in the Premier League at the start of the last season are two years older. Ben White's, what, 24 now? Tierney's 25 going on 26. Odegaard's going to be going on 24. Ramsdale's 24. Gabrielle's 24. 
Uh, Tommy Asu's 23, and Odegaard's been around the block so long now, you know, since he was 16. He's been playing eight years at the top level. You've got Granit Xhaka, you've got Partey, you've now got Gabriel Jesus and Zinchenko. You've got an entire group of players that's got so much experience and winning ability within it. I don't think we need to worry about not having an El Nenny or having a Holding or having a Cedric just because they've been at the club a long time. Benji's ben, uh, 25. There you go. Sorry, Tops. Um, Benjamin, I should say. Um, I think we've got a really balanced squad. I think it's a squad that even though he still is the second youngest starting 11 in the league, according to the, the stats that came up yesterday, I really do think that we've got an opportunity to strengthen and replace some more players and improve the depth in this squad. Uh, that's what's key. Uh, Harvey says Pepe is going to be hard to sell. He scored yesterday or day before yesterday. So hopefully that helps and he continues to score. I want him to do well because it means we're going to be able to get a good fee for him. That's what I want to happen at the end of this season. So that's absolutely going to be important. Anyway, I've been going for about an hour now. Um, so I am, going to, I am going to round things off. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to what has been a very enjoyable last hour. I don't know how I've managed to speak without my voice cracking at some stage. Uh, I suppose we've had a few mess-ups along the way, but it was always going to happen. Um, it's been joyous. It's been brilliant. It's been wonderful. Uh I cannot get over how happy I am to be an Arsenal fan right now. I'm over the moon with the result. I'm over the moon with the performances. I am so in emboldened by what has happened at this football club. I'm so proud to be an Arsenal fan. I'm looking forward to what happens between now and the end of the season. I'll be joining you tomorrow morning at 8am. I'll also be live this evening with the boys over on the Arsenal Lounge at 8pm UK time this evening. So do come join us. It's always a good fun conversation. I look forward to not seeing some people in the chat box because they won't be there because some people only turn up when we lose. So that's going to be funny this evening. So do join us for that. Um, and yeah, it's been a pleasure. Have a great day. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.